Purdue football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers have to find fixes against the Owls at FAU on homecoming Saturday if they want to get back to 500 and take some momentum into Saturday. Kyle Charters here for the Gold and Black Radio pregame show with Tom Deanhart. We'll talk to Brian Newbert and Alan Karpik as well. That's the storyline for the week, isn't it, Tom? The Boilermakers need to uh, fix themselves and then get a victory against the Owls of FAU. Purdue will come in. Around an 18-point favorite, that might fluctuate a little bit based on the possibility of uh, something happening on Saturday, uh, at least news on Saturday. But as for the Boilermakers, um, they've got to get it together after what was a tough loss last week at Syracuse. Yeah, you want to level your record at 2-2, two and two, obviously, uh, before you head out on the road in October, Kyle, for what looks like, in my mind, it's going to be probably your make-or-break month. Um Three of the four games are on the road, beginning with trips to Minnesota, then a trip to Maryland. So, yeah, if you're Purdue, man, you want to get that bad taste from last week out of your mouth, number one. Get, get a win. Feel good about yourself. And, uh, again, just, just get some positive mojo going before, again, October dawns on you uh, very soon. So uh, there is a little bit of sense of urgency here for Purdue. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's just start this off by talking a little bit about the the elephant in the room, or at least the shadow of the elephant in the room, and that is uh, the unconfirmed rumors that Aiden O'Connell will miss the game on Saturday due to an injury. Of course, that has not, as we record here this Friday morning, been mm-hmm. confirmed, but I think there's enough uh, out there that at least we need to uh, address that possibility You know, if you do watch back to the TV copy of the Syracuse game, after Aiden O'Connell makes that pick six, the first words from Jeff Brom on the sideline for him are not what happened or what'd you do that for? The first words are more about the concern for his quarterback. He asked him immediately, are you okay? And I think O'Connell's response was, yeah, I'm fine. But it, you know, it, it does maybe lead a little bit more to the possibility that there is something there. If he cannot go, what's Purdue's response to that? Yeah, first, Kyle, there seems to be an awful lot of smoke around this speculation and rumor. So it makes you wonder if, if maybe it doesn't have some teeth. You hate to speculate. Uh, but again, um, it seems like there, there may be something to all this chatter about O'Connell's status for Saturday's game. If for some reason, you know, he's unable to go, and Kyle, we may not find out until 90 minutes before the game, honestly, when the team is fully out there warming up. But if he can't go, you know, your top options, obviously, are Austin Burton, the sixth-year senior, and then the redshirt sophomore, Michael Alamo. Burton is really the number two guy. Um, you know, whoever, whoever runs the offense, Kyle, you know, this is an attack. We all know they want to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. I think both these guys could win for you if you have to play them. I do think Alamo has a little higher upside, a little better arm. I think you're really impressed with Alamo. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, again, the one thing, uh, I, I guess if, I, if, I'm, if I'm pushing the corner, Kyle, and I got to pick a starter, if it's not AOC, I go with Burton just because he's a six-year guy. He, he did start a game at UCLA in 2019. He's been on campus for three years. He knows the offense. He's well-liked by his teammates. And, again, just the fact he's more of a veteran player would give me more confidence as a coach knowing, man, I can't mess around against FAU. 
this team isn't total chump change. We know Purdue's got to win, and I, I guess I'd feel more comfortable rolling with the more veteran player. You know, I've always thought that in a in a one-off type situation, you know, one-game scenario, and I think that's what we hope this would be uh, if it does come to fruition, that maybe Austin Burton, you know, in, in that kind of scenario, isn't all that bad an option because he does do some other things for you like the option that might provide a little bit yeah. of a different look against an opponent that just has not prepared for that at all for the week. Now, if you had to roll with Burton for, for weeks at a time, the defense is going to adjust. And I think it's pretty clear he's not the, the quarterback that, that Aiden O'Connell is. But in a one-off, one-Saturday-type scenario, which if this comes to, to pass, we hope that's what it is, and, and so does Purdue, clearly. Big game's coming up uh, the next two weeks. You know, maybe, maybe Burton provides something different, and that does, you know, give him and the offense a little bit of, a, a little bit of juice. That's a great point, Kyle. I think you're exactly right. Um, <clears throat> the change of pace he could provide with his skill set uh, would really maybe be a dynamic FAU would be unable to contend with. I think we all knew, Jeff Brom said before in the summer, that they were always going to have packages for Austin Burton. Hadn't seen him come in except for obviously in the blowout against Indiana State, but thought maybe we'd see him on third and one situations every once in a while, maybe fourth and one, kind of a change of pace guy who can run it in addition to throwing it. But you're right. Um, he, he brings a, another dimension to that position Aiden O'Connell lacks from a running standpoint. So, yeah, that dynamic could really play in the Purdue's favor if indeed this all does play out like, like we're speculating. Now, again, real quick on some other injuries, Kyle. Uh, Jeff Brown Thursday said there would be a lot of game-time decisions. Didn't get into specifics player by player, but – I expect Jalen Graham to be out once again. I think the timeline always pointed him returning for the Minnesota game at the earliest. He may not even be back then. Kyle, I'm also going to be a little surprised if we see King Guru and Brock Thompson. I think we're going to see Devin Mockaby again at the number two spot behind Dylan Downing. Give Daru another week to get that calf healthy. And then Brock Thompson, too, you know, here at the knee against Penn State. Uh, didn't even make the trip last week, played six snaps against Indiana State. Um, you know what, Kyle, I, I think if, if you can get away with another week of him just mending himself, I think it's got to be a positive. I think there's enough receivers still for Purdue to, to hopefully win this game if, and without number 13, Brock Thompson. I've got another injury to announce as well breaking this morning, Tom. I am <laughs> very doubtful. Yes. For the game. On You're Saturday. out. You're out. Very, yeah, I am, I am, I'm not even a game time decision, I don't think. I, I don't think I'll even make it into the stands at Ross Aid at this point, unless I make some sort of miraculous uh, recovery here in the next 24 hours, which seems, uh, and le I've made a lot of progress since uh, Thursday, last night, uh, but I don't think I'm there. Back injury. <laughs> No joke. These are the, the, the no joke. I did this about 20 years ago, strained my lower back. And I think it's just a muscle strain. Uh, nothing like uh, structural, hopefully. But uh, yeah, I ended up in the uh, emergency room for about six hours last night, mm. pumped full of drugs that didn't seem to be having any effect. So uh, I did make it home. I feel a little bit better this morning, which is good. But uh, I think you're going to have to list me out for tomorrow. We'll uh, have to go to your backup and uh, hope for the best. Thoughts and prayers, my friend. Thoughts and prayers. And uh, we problem know is that 
that that uh, that backup from starter to backup is a steep drop. Honestly, Kyle, you're not even replaced, but we may just cancel the game. My backup has not even had a start at UCLA. <laughs> That's how bad it is. That's how poor the depth is behind you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Purdue's got to take care of its own business here, right? I mean, it, it has just got to erase, and I know that's been a big emphasis this week, the mistakes, a lot of them penalties, a lot of the physical penalties that you would hope, you know, Purdue can adjust to what is being called, some of the physicality, I think, in the in the defensive backfield. You like Purdue to play physical in the defensive backfield. They've got some physical big, you know, cornerbacks um, and safeties who like to go get the ball as well. Uh, but Purdue's got to clean that up. And then it's, you know, it's got to clean up the things that it can control too, the unsportsmanlike stuff. I mean, it's just got to get that stuff uh, under control in this game, or it does become one where the, the injuries, as we've talked about before, the mounting injuries are the worst kind of injuries uh, start to matter. And then you make some mistakes and suddenly the owls are in this game in the second half when you don't want them to be. Yeah. Don't, don't make their job any easier. Right. And, and like you said, that begins with not, committing silly penalties, uh, the unsportsmanlike conducts. The meltdown, Kyle, late last week at Syracuse was epic. Uh, it was disastrous. It was, it was an embarrassment, too, honestly. Purdue goes up late with the touchdown, 51 seconds to go. From that moment on, Kyle, Purdue had six penalties. Four of them were unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. So, uh, day they had 13 flags overall. I think they had nine or so against Penn State course they were ruinous played a big role in that loss in the season opener as well so yeah I mean uh, they've done a lot of good things this year as a team but again the penalties uh boy that, that's been the big bugaboo and then of course coach Brom talked about addressing that all week with his players I think the message has been received Kyle um but as you know when you get in the heat of the moment and in, in, in the throes of a battle it's hard to always keep everything in check emotionally. But again, the players are well aware of what's at stake and the fact they can't continue to shoot themselves in the foot like this with these flags. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we will come back to we'll talk to Brian Newbert a little bit later, get his perspective on the game on Saturday. Alan Carpet as well to take a glance around the Big Ten. We will do all that and much, much more on the Golden Black Radio pregame show. Hey, this is Storm Team 18 meteorologist Lisa Montgomery. We're getting ready for the big game against Florida Atlantic at ross Stadium. Kickoff time is at 7.30, and we're looking good. Slight chance for a few sprinkles. Otherwise, it will be dry with partly to mostly cloudy skies. At kickoff, 7.30, we're looking at a temperature of 72 degrees. Halftime will drop to 66 with partly to mostly cloudy conditions. And on your way home, as you head home from ross Stadium, we'll be looking at partly to mostly cloudy skies with a temperature of 64 degrees. Go Boilermakers! This is Storm Team 18 meteorologist Lisa Montgomery. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Heading to see the Boilermakers take on the Wisconsin Badgers on October 22nd? Sign up to win four tickets in an overnight stay at Sand Valley a Midwest resort located just an hour and a half from Madison. Complimentary shuttle to the game is included. Visit sandvalleypursuits.com to enter. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. 
Hey, pleased to be joined by Ken Lavica, who uh, works for ESPN West Palm and is the voice of Florida Atlantic University football. Ken, thank you for swinging by, dropping some owl knowledge on us. I guess a good place to start would be sort of give Purdue fans a sense of what to expect from the FAU offense on Saturday night. Yeah, will do. And it'll be nice to be back in Big Ten country. I grew up as an Illinois fan, but uh, it'll be nice to be uh, be back in uh, in West Lafayette. Uh, been there a couple of times. And as far as FAU's offense is concerned, it's going to be trying to get back to what had it going into last weekend, the ninth best in the nation in total offense. FAU got off to a quick start against UCF and really used the ground game. You're going to see featured two backs, Larry McCammons, Barry Mobley, two primary backs. They truly almost completely split time together in the backfield. And then you're going to see a speed option in Johnny Ford. He's a USF transfer, but Larry McCammon and Jabari Mobley have really taken on that bulk role. That is what FAU wants to do primarily is set the framework on the ground before Nikosi Perry, the former Miami man gets involved. He's got a big right arm. He has gone through stretches of really impressive play this season. And then he's gone into some lulls where uh, it leads leaves you and I'm sure the FAU coaching staff scratching its head a bit, but Florida Atlantic absolutely wants to go at this from a balanced perspective, but really set the tone on the ground with their bruising runners who are very good after contact as well. It's a very veteran offensive line left to right across that line. And so it's held up fairly well this season to this point. Okay, defensively, Ken, what can fans, Purdue fans, expect to see from the Florida Atlantic defense? As you'd imagine, with aside from South Florida that primarily has Florida products on it, the defense is extremely quick. Uh, UCF, known for their speed with the offense, the tempo, and Florida Atlantic was uh, very, very sound for a good majority of the game Saturday, despite the score getting lopsided uh, from a speed component. Uh, there are injuries on this defense that certainly haven't helped the cause, including the big 330-pound nose tackle Evan Anderson, who doesn't appear as if he's going to play again on Saturday. They're going to rotate a lot along the defensive line. It's a four-man defensive front. Very speedy linebackers, including Eddie Williams, who stars. He's number three when you're watching on Saturday. He shoots through gaps. He's become really one of the leaders of this defense. Jaleel McCray also in the linebacker spot. He's a Florida State transfer. Previously was recruited by Willie Taggart at FSU. But I think the strength of the defense comes in the secondary. And injuries have hurt it there as well. But T.J. Young, a captain, he comes back, it appears, Saturday against Purdue. Smoke Mungin on one side at corner. You're going to see a combination of Damon Hill and Armani Eli Adams playing safety in corner as well. So there's a lot of speed back there. Four-man set, have decent pressure on the quarterback, but did miss a lot of tackles a week ago. Okay, Ken, bottom line, how do you see this game unfolding Saturday night in Ross-Age Stadium? Well, it's going to be a big crowd. We know that. And this is going to be a very focused Purdue team coming off the loss at Syracuse, you would imagine. FAU is very familiar with Jeff Brom. He was a quarterback's coach under Howard Schnellenberger for a season at FAU. And Florida Atlantic played against Coach Brom several times when he was the head man at Western Kentucky. You know what the offense is going to look like. You know you're trying to get receivers in space. You have an NFL prospect quarterback. I think that FAU – 
hangs in there for a while. The secondary is going to be game to what uh, Purdue wants to do, and Florida Atlantic is going to hang in this game if it can limit the mistakes that Torpedo did against UCF. A Florida Atlantic can force a couple of turnovers, and they had a couple of big turnovers forced last week against the Knights. Then they hang around in this game. But if Florida Atlantic is its own worst enemy like it was in the loss at Ohio and in the second half against UCF, Purdue will pull away. But Willie Taggart will tell you as well, if FAU can check the boxes when it comes to being fundamentally sound, being disciplined, and to uh, getting the job done. I think their game for Purdue, I do think that there's an opportunity that all the fans are sticking around seeing a game into the fourth quarter. Ought to be very interesting, Ken. We appreciate you giving us some insight into Florida Atlantic, and uh, we look forward to uh, – to seeing you on Saturday night, Ken. Once again, uh, Ken LaBecca of ESPN West Palm and the voice of Florida Atlantic University Athletics. Thank you very much, Ken. My pleasure. Thank you. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event at the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Let's bring in Brian Newber to get his perspective on the Boilermakers and the Owls. Uh, hello, Who? Brian. The Owls Who? of FAU. Who? Uh, hold on. This will be vacuuming upstairs. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Aaron, can you not vacuum for a second? Oh. <laughs> Catching a big moth. They're pains in the ass, aren't they? Yeah. Let's bring in Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers and the Owls. Yes, the Owls of FAU. Who? Brian, yeah, who? 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 Uh, you guys, I, I keep getting all of you with that stupid joke. It's <laughs> It just went right over your head. I get carpet it, on it every time I, we do a recording. I got it the second time you did it. Uh, but yes. Um, okay. I just can't pass it up. It's like <laughs> when Michael Scott can't not say that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's too good. What's Owls. Up? What's up, dog? Uh, another Michael Scott-ism. Um, I, don't I don't remember, remember that one. Uh, so a lot of talk this week, Brian, as we get back into to football here, um, about Purdue being able to uh, right a lot of its wrongs. 
And a lot of those wrongs, I mean, were just mental mistakes. The, the, the unsportsmanlike, the, you know, other errors that you make in the, these first three games, uh, inability to put some teams away. I mean, Purdue has got to be better at those things if it is to be what a lot of us expected it to be this year. Yeah, I think you've seen, you know, by and large enough from Purdue to have reason to believe they're as good as, you know, uh, people hope they would be this year. Problem is they're they're beating themselves with this lack of discipline and some of this fundamental technique type of stuff. Uh, whether it's the tackling against Penn State, whether it's the it's the penalties in the secondary, and then the 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 discipline issue in terms of the personal fouls against Syracuse and all that. It just you know, I I I, I don't want to use hot take terminology here, but it really is kind of unacceptable and inexcusable. All of that stuff. It's if you just if you're just solid, if you just don't beat yourself, you're probably three and zero. You maybe two and one, but probably three and zero. And that's 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 damning. I mean, that's you know from a tackling perspective, from a coverage perspective, in terms of the penalties, and then in terms of the discipline part of the personal fouls and whatnot. Purdue hasn't looked ready to come into this season, and it sounds like there was a lot of introspection that was done after the Syracuse game, and that's obviously warranted. Um, but it shouldn't take three games and two losses, uh, you know, for stuff like, you know, tackling and not holding receivers and stuff like that. And certainly the personal fouls to be uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, personal fouls, whatever it might be, a combination thereof. Uh, you shouldn't have to incur losses to understand the importance of that type of stuff. Uh, this isn't, you know, Purdue's first time where they've been, they've had penalty problems. Now they were really good with it last year and deserve credit for that. Uh, but there were times in what was it, 2018, uh, 2019, maybe whatever it was where there were a series of personal fouls early in that season. It took losses to underscore that and it got cleaned up. But once again, it cost you games to hammer home. What is a fairly obvious, you know, part of part of football and part of winning. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Purdue that that's kind of where they are, but, Obviously, they've got a lot of season ahead of them. Um, you've lost a couple of golden opportunities here for what would have been significant wins, and uh, now you just kind of have to make the best of them here on out. But this stuff's got to stop. Um, I covered the basketball team last year, and all they had to do was take care of the basketball, and it seemed like very doable, very fixable stuff. And, yeah. But sometimes teams just kind of are what they are, and when there's something like that in their system, it's hard to get out. And you just hope for Purdue football's sake here that um, they can get this penalty problem out of their system. They can get this this coverage issue out of their out of their system, and they seem to be doing a better job tackling. Um, albeit they haven't played another Penn State ever since then, uh, but they're running out of time here. You only get so many opportunities for these wins, and you can't keep earning them and throwing them back as Purdue has kind of sort of done twice certainly once the Penn State game you know wasn't the same set of circumstances as Syracuse but you had both of these games essentially won and you allowed them to slip away with things that you know are largely under your control yeah I think as you look back at the two games too you you can build a case also that Purdue has lacked a killer instinct in both games I mean it had a clear chance to get a first down and win the game against Penn State and was not able to do so. And I think even as you look back at the Syracuse game, I think it's earlier in the contest that Purdue had a chance really 
to put their foot on the orange and just could not do so. They had four drives in a row. One of them was interrupted by the end of the half. So you sort of throw that one out. But three other drives at the end of the second quarter and early in the third quarter in which Purdue totaled 25 yards when they were up nine to three. If you get a score, a field goal even, and go up two possessions in the game, it might completely change the outcome because Syracuse becomes potentially more one-dimensional throwing the ball, and it really couldn't do that very well aside from the last play of the game. Um, and, and Purdue just could not could not do that at that moment when it, you know, another touchdown going up 16 or 17 to three, the game's probably pretty close to over. Yeah. And that's part of, that's kind of the other larger point I wanted to make um, is that you're not giving yourself any margin for error in second halves when you can't score more than nine or 10 points in the first half. This is a, when you have opportunities, especially this is an offensive minded program. It's kind of what they do. It's kind of their identity. You have the six-year quarterback with the big arm. You you have the capability to score points. Obviously, you don't have the balance you'd like to have offensively, and that really showed up, I thought, in four-minute offense mode against Penn State uh, more than anything. But I think that you just got to gotta get points on the board one way or another, whether that's getting back to some of the creativity from, you know, Brahms' first year or two, uh, whether that's, you know, just kind of – uh, scheming some more advantages, whatever it might be, you just got to get more points on the board here. Um, because if you had 13 points in either of those first halves, as opposed to nine and 10 respectively, or 10 and nine, whatever order they came in, you probably win those two games. And you had every opportunity to do that, especially in the Syracuse game when, uh, you know, you, you fail on the fourth down early on. I like them playing for touchdowns uh, in that situation. I might be in the minority that way. Um, but you just had opportunities and you're just not cashing in your opportunities here. And you need to get points on the board here that not have one penalty, uh, or two penalties or one missed tackle or whatever it might be completely break your back when it matters most. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. Eat pizza and support a Boilermaker student-athlete. Try the Aiden's Air Raid at AZ Pizza this September to support Aiden O'Connell and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Aiden even stole one out of the AZ playbook with the addition of Grippo's potato chips on top of his signature creation. Visit azippizza.com. That's A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A.com. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's bring in Alan Karpik to talk a little bit of Big Ten football in the Big Ten Roundup. Five games outside of the homecoming game in West Lafayette that we will be looking at this weekend. Uh, Alan, let's start with a Big Ten game. Maryland playing at number four, Michigan. That's a noon kickoff. On Saturday, the Wolverines are favored 
by 17 points. This has been a pretty good uh, Michigan team. I don't want to say it's flying under the radar uh, because it's the fourth-ranked team in the country. But, you know, I think there are some other teams in the Big Ten East that have garnered attention. Obviously, Ohio State, Penn State's off to a good start. But, man, Michigan is is pretty good. It's pretty well-rounded, very balanced team, and, and we'll see how it does against uh, a Terps team that is okay, can score a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one thing is that Maryland seems to be able to put some points up. But Michigan's got – is kind of reverted back to big – for power football like like we've seen. Now, I know J.J. McCarthy, a quarterback, is the main guy, and and that may change some things. But this, this is a team that's predicated on offensive line and being able to run the football, and they've been able to do it in, in against – and they ought to do it against the Maryland defense that doesn't – you know doesn't put enough pressure on them. And, and I think that will make for a one-sided game. Michigan looks like the, the Michigan teams we used to know 10, 15 years ago. And uh, you have to give uh, Jim Harbaugh and company credit for turning it around because a couple of years ago, we didn't think that was going to happen. There are three Big Ten West teams that are playing in conference games this weekend. The first one we'll talk about is Minnesota playing at Michigan State. That's a 3.30 kickoff on Saturday. It's interesting, uh, Alan, as you look at these games, if the if the road teams lose, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, now t- two of those three teams are favored in their uh, contest, including Minnesota, which seems a little strange to me. But if all three road teams lose, the Big Ten West standings on Sunday will be Northwestern 1-0 and everyone else 0-1. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that seems incredible and is not it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. The Gophers are a three point favorite, which I, I find a little bit surprising. Of course, Minnesota has outscored its opponents. I think one forty nine to 17. All three of those opponents have been really bad. Michigan state comes off a loss uh, against Wa- Washington out West. This is an interesting game, I think, because I, I feel like the Spartans, I, I'm just surprised that Michigan state is a home dog in this game. Yeah, even though in, in Michigan State showed some fight in the second half against Washington to make that an 11-point game. I thought that was good. They have the nation's worst pass defense last year. Uh, Will Tanner Morgan, and we saw that in the Purdue game, certainly, and they struggled against uh, Michael Penix last week. A lot of people are going to do that year, that this year. Minnesota, number two in total offense and total defense, but yes, New Mexico State, Western Illinois, uh, and Colorado. Colorado is just awful. Um, but I, I, it's, it will be an interesting game and, and a game that may set the direction for Minnesota and whether they can really, they need that win, I think, to really, to really be a team that's going to be uh, in the fight for the West Division uh, throughout the course of the year. It's a big game for them and, and uh, being a road dog does surprise me a bit. That's what I always tell our friends over there at Nebraska. You guys are closer to becoming Colorado, a former power, than you are to becoming your your own former self as a national power. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, 3.30 kickoff uh, on Saturday. Indiana playing at Cincinnati. The Hoosiers have found ways to win, uh, certainly against lesser competition, but they found ways to get it done late. I think it'll be a little bit more challenging here against the Bearcats. Cincinnati is a 17-point favorite at home. Yeah, when IU's won those close games, Illinois game, they didn't deserve to win uh, or it got really fortunate in my view. Western Kentucky, again, they made plays down the stretch when they were dead in the water. So you have to give Indiana and Tom Allen credit. 
Uh, Cincinnati uh, has been good. They're not as good as they were last year. Their quarterback, Ben Bryant's, has been, uh, I think he's throwing over 70%. So he's a guy that can can have them score enough. Uh, Luke Fickle will, will be a, a candidate at every job, every big job open. Mm. Uh, and yet he's done a great job there. And that's why. And I still expect them to roll over Indiana pretty easily. Now, four primetime games again on, on Saturday in the Big Ten. I guess we should get used to that. And then here in a couple of years, we'll get used to that 10 p.m., the prime prime time game. Uh, seven o'clock yeah. Iowa travels to Rutgers. Uh, the Hawkeyes are favored by seven and a half. This is just a great game. Uh, <laughs> Iowa's favored by seven and a half. Rutgers, which is undefeated somehow, uh, is at home. The over under in this game is 34. Yeah, 34. Wow. Uh, Iowa was better last week against a, a really bad Nevada team, but we'll see against, uh, you know. I guess we'll call this big boy football playing at Rutgers. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to think on this one because I like some things that Greg Schiano's doing and the way that this program is getting better. But think about this. Iowa ranked last in the conference in total offense, 218 yards a game. And second to last is Rutgers at about 370. So that's a hundred and if my math is right, 153 yards between the two. And neither of them are very good. Uh but Iowa finds ways to get you know, I don't know what to think about this game, but I think Iowa, it might be again a six to four game. We've been saying that a lot this year. But uh, Iowa has got, I think it's out of there with a win just by slugging it out, maybe just a little bit tougher than Rutgers. On the runner over, uh, Iowa gets two of its receivers back. I think two of its starters or expected starters return this week. So maybe that will help. Uh, Do they get Charlie Jones back? Oh, no, they they don't. Okay. No, you're you're right. I I think that they can't be as bad as they've been. Uh, And Kirk Ferentz company do figure out a way to to put stuff together. And they've they've got a good foundation of a really good defense and and special teams. So, you know, if the offense can just become the least bit serviceable, uh, they'll win it. They'll win their share games. Not a lot, but their share. What an indictment Charlie Jones is on Iowa's offense. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, Wisconsin plays at Ohio State, 7.30 on Saturday. The third-ranked Buckeyes are a 19-point favorite against uh, against Bucky. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, this game just tells you the difference between the East and the West, right? Pretty much, and, and at least with respect to the point spread. Wisconsin's got to keep Ohio State off the field. That's as simple as that. I mean, Ohio State scores in bunches. They score fast. They've only had one turnover so far this season, so they haven't been beating themselves. They've got experience at, at quarterback. They've got an aces running back. Uh, I, You know, Wisconsin can find ways to stay in football games for a while, but they got to play uh, the four-corner offense of college football, uh, I think, uh, to get that done. So they're going to have to run the football effectively. They've got a couple guys that can do that. Uh, but I, I still think Ohio State rolls in this one. That's the Big Ten Roundup for Week 4. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical look at Purdue against Florida Atlantic. The Boilermakers have not often uh, welcomed teams into Ross-Age Stadium that hail from the state of Florida. True, and uh, it's been all the way back to 1998 uh, and Purdue's win over 
uh, over uh, Central Florida is last time that uh, a Florida team has shown up in Ross Age Stadium. And uh, you may recall Dante Culpepper, who was the hot UCF quarterback at the time. Uh, they were not uh, Central Florida was just Howard Snellenberger was just trying to raise money for Florida Athletic, Atlantic at that time. But Central Florida was also a fledgling program that has obviously developed. Uh, but uh, yeah, wasn't much of a game, 35-7 Purdue. And uh, it was a situation that uh, I don't remember Drew Brees having a huge game. Uh, and a Culpepper actually wasn't that bad. Uh, uh, he, he threw for 368 yards, but that was a game that uh, was well out of, well out of uh, uh, hand pretty much uh, throughout the course of the game. If you score, Allen, seven points, but you throw for 370 yards, you know what doesn't matter? The 370 yards. That is a true thing. Uh, <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't. The yardage, they don't matter. Yeah. Uh, and, by, and we were talking to uh, offline, but that was the game where Michael Hawthorne, they had to, they had the 100-yard interception return. Uh, he flipped the ball to Billy Gustin, but Michael Hawthorne had that interception as well. That was about what I remember from that game. Oh, Michael Hawthorne. Yeah, there you Those go. Some great personalities back there. He was. He was he was a happy dude. Yeah, including Mike Hawthorne. Uh, a homecoming game at night, uh, 7.30 kickoff on, on Saturday between Purdue and FAU. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot of those. Never has happened before. Uh, there you go. That's why, that's why you don't remember that. You know, we talked it, it Purdue's liked it oftentimes, especially uh, under Morgan Burke. And when they had a little bit more control over the schedule, I think, played games at noon. Uh, oftentimes last year's Minnesota game was at noon. Now uh, they've had they've had a few three thirty starts on homecoming. But that eight o'clock or seven thirty starts uh, is a new thing. Uh, and I think uh, in the wonderful world of uh, television contracts, it'll be a regular thing and uh, not every year, probably, but uh, it, it is a new new experience. It'll be a whole day of tailgating and, and uh, that will be a far fun part of uh, bringing the, uh, the owls into town. That's a historical view at uh, Purdue and FAU. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. You're listening to Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at twdesignbuild.com. AZIP Pizza is teaming up with Aiden O'Connell on the Aiden's Air Raid Pizza all September long. Aiden likes his AZIP loaded with barbecue, pulled pork, peppers, and Grippos potato chips. AZIP is owned by former walk-on football player Brad Niemeyer with locations in Lafayette, Evansville, Indianapolis, and more. Check it out at azippizza.com, A-Z-Z-I-P-P-I-Z-Z-A.com. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. Tyler Charters here. Let's bring in, back in Tom Deanhart to break down some of the matchups in this one between the Boilermakers and the Owls, Purdue taking on a Florida team. Tom, when you talk about Florida football, you usually talk about some pretty good athletes. I think that likely describes the Owls. They're going to send some pretty good athletes out onto the field on both sides on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, Zeb Brom coached at FAU in 2009 for Howard Schnellenberger, who was his mentor. And he knows, he knows, he knows a lot about that program. He knows the type of athletes in that part of the country. So he, he, he's got a good sense of, again, 
the dynamic ability, the skill set, the speed uh, that, that that's that's on this FAU roster. So he's very aware of that. And uh, it's an FAU offense that wants to try to pound you. They have a good running back duo. Larry McCammon is, is their top back, and he's a guy that's going to lead their charge on the ground. Uh, Nikozi Perry's the quarterback he spent. I think about first three years of his career, Kyle, at Miami, Florida, playing quarterback, was the starter there for a while, too, before he lost the job. He's another good athlete uh, who's a solid thrower. So they've got some weapons. And, you know, <clears throat> this isn't a, a total layup team uh, as far as getting a victory goes, Kyle. This is a team that if you let them stay in the game and maybe break off a few big plays for touchdowns, uh, it could make for some nervous moments in ross Stadium. Seems like it should be a pretty similar game plan for Purdue's defense to last week. It try to slow down the running game of the Owls, force the the game into the uh, the quarterback's hands. Now he has thrown ten touchdown passes, not a whole lot of yardage. Um, you know, Purdue tried to do that against Garrett Schrader last week and had a lot of success until the very last throw of the game, unfortunately uh, for Purdue. But uh, it, it seems like that should be you know part of the game plan again for Purdue's defense today try to get some turnovers off that, which it wasn't able to do, at least without being called back by penalty last week against the Orange. I think you hit the nail on the head there um, as far as trying to defend this, this FAU offense, just like Purdue last week against the Orange. Um, commit to slowing down the run and making that quarterback try to beat you, Kyle. Make him try to beat you from pocket. Don't let him get outside the pocket. Make him stand back there, have to read defenses and make decisions, and have to thread passes in the tight windows. This is a guy, if you rush him too much or blitz him, he gets outside, he can beat you with his feet too. So very similar game plans you would think from last week to this week as far as defending the opposition's offense. And again, you know, for the Purdue offense, uh, Aiden O'Connell or not, I think maybe you still try to see if you can dominate these guys a little bit up front. Maybe lean on the ground game a little bit more, even without King Drew if he didn't play. Lean on Dylan Downing. Lean on Devin Mockaby and see if maybe you can play a little ball control. Where are these guys out? Um, and again, uh, see if you can establish the run. So it's going to be a fun chess match to watch unfold between Brom and, of course, Willie Tagger, Kyle. Willie Tagger, like Jeff Brom at one time, was the Western Kentucky head coach. He was a star quarterback at Western Kentucky. Willie Taggart's got a heck of a resume. He's been the head coach at South Florida, was at Oregon, was at Florida State. So he knows what he's doing. At this point, don't you have to say the the well-traveled Willie Taggart? Yeah, then... you, got, you, got, you can't say Willie Taggart without putting well-traveled in front of his name. You're exactly right. That's, <laughs> that, that's, part, that's part of my style book now. Yeah. I do like Mockaby. You know, I think that he adds a little element to running the football that Purdue does not otherwise have. Uh, I, I think you force feed some of the other things, right? You just hope that he learns some of the pass blocking stuff. He had some misses on the pass block. Uh, uh, what assignments? Yeah. Syracuse. Yeah. You're going to have to live with a little bit of that, I think, here early on in his career. Yeah, and you, you live with him because he gives you a little bit something different, like you're alluding to as a runner. Even you talked to Chris Barkley this week. He talked about it, too. He, he, can, he can contort his body and twist it in ways to get through holes that the other backs can. It's that simple. And uh, he's got a lot of want to, Kyle. He's, you know, we talked to Devin this week, too. He's not a real big guy. I was surprised. Really isn't really physically developed yet. That's something that I know they're going to work on. But, my gosh, 
he runs hard. And uh, like I said, he's very motivated to play well at this level. And uh, boy, the glimpses we've seen so far have been impressive. Played in just two games, Kyle, and he's the Boilermakers leading rusher. Has two rushing touchdowns as well. So I, I, I would keep feeding Devin and see if you got if you can continue to develop that that part of your offense. Uh, prediction time, Tom. Who you got? Shaking my magic eight ball right now, Kyle. I've got I've got Purdue forty one, the mighty Florida Atlantic Owls seventeen. The Boilers win, and they cover. My friend, I think the last line I saw was it's been anywhere between eighteen to twenty. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go Boilermakers straight, doubling them up, uh, 42 to 21. I think that uh, Purdue, regardless of what's happening under center, if they do have to make a what I would hope would be a one-game change there, that it does not affect Purdue all that much. And, in fact, uh, maybe gives them a little bit of a bounce, at least for one game. I don't think that's a sustainable thing over a number of games, but maybe get a little bit of bounce there for one game just due to the unpreparedness of uh, the FAU defense facing a guy who can do a little bit of uh, stuff differently. Don't know if that'll be the case. I hope we'll see Aiden O'Connell out there. I like watching him play, and you hope that he's uh, healthy and ready to go. I'm sure that uh, as the hours tick by close to uh, the 7 o'clock kick on Saturday, uh, if there is anything there, you will record it on the uh, the old Twitter machine and at coldandblack.com. All right, Tom, uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Be good, my friend. Take care of yourself. Uh, thanks to our listeners. As always, if you do like our show, rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. We do appreciate that. Leave us a comment as well. And thanks for uh, our sponsors as well for helping us with this show. I'm going to stand up uh, and stretch out the back. See if I can't uh, make it go at being at least a game time decision on Saturday night, though it seems unlikely. All right. Uh, That'll do it for the podcast for this week. For Tom Dean Hart, Brian Hubert, and Alan Krupik, I'm Kyle Chargers. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.